You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. I want to talk to you guys today about faith. Do you know God wants us to, like, grow in our faith? If you don't, he does, right? Um, but it's kind of like a plant. You know, I, I student taught last year. I got my degree in teaching, although I haven't used it yet, unless you count my kids. I'm like, wow, I spent all that money to teach my children <laughs> in a degree. But, um, and I got to do a science unit with the kids. Well, we had a lot of fun, and we did, you know, what does it take to make this little bean plant grow, right? So somebody shout out, what is, what is something that you need? You guys didn't know you were going to have a little science lesson. The sun, right. Okay, somebody else shout something out. What was it? Water. Somebody shout something else. Soil is wrong. I actually debunked that. We grew our seeds with a paper towel and water. You don't need soil. Now, it's nice because if the wind blows, it's going to blow the plant away, and then it would die. But soil isn't necessary. Anybody shout something else out? See? We already said that. There's still more. What was that? A temperature, certain temperature. Look at that. Any? We're missing one. Yes. No, not. What did they say? Oxygen? No. Oh, wow. You guys are failing fifth grade science. What is it, Joe? Carbon dioxide. It makes oxygen so we can breathe, right? So thank God we're not quizzing you on science, right? It's okay. I had to learn as I was going. So, but just as a seed needs all of these things, the right conditions, the right elements to grow, so as a Christian, if we want to grow in our faith, there are certain things that we need in our lives, right? And you might say, I don't know, somebody shout something out. What do you think? A, a Christian, Christian needs to grow in their faith. God's word. Yup. Anybody else? Worship. Sure. Anybody else? What did you say? Community. I like that one. Yes. Prayer. Yes. Which is just kind of communing with God, right? So that's what I want to talk to you guys today about. Um, and who better to talk about in the Bible than Abraham, right? Because he was the father of faith. And if we want our faith to grow, Abraham would be a good place to start, right? So the Old Testament, you know, the first half of your Bible is huge, right? I don't know if this is where it ends. No, it's further than that. So it spans over 2,000 years, the Old Testament, which is crazy. 2,000 years just in this one part of the book. And over 20 generations are written in the Old Testament. But do you know one-third, so I'm just guessing this is a third, is all about Abraham and his son, Isaac and Jacob. Is that crazy? One-third of it is about Abraham. So he, I think he has a lot to teach us, right? Um, so he was the father of faith. He was considered the most famous man of the Old Testament. Um, but this is what I like. He was referred to as a friend of God. Anybody want to be a friend of God? You know, we hear in the New Testament, we're co-workers. I like that, but friends way better. But the, even better, God actually calls him. In Isaiah 41, he's talking about Abraham. Isaiah 41, 8, it says, God's actually referring to Abraham as my friend. 
So I'm like, wow, it'd be pretty cool to be considered a friend of God, but it'd be really awesome if God said, hey, there's Cindy Brockway, my friend. Right? Don't we want that? And I think that's why so much of the Bible is focused on him because he learned to be a friend of God. So how do we grow in our faith? So the first one, first point I want to talk to you guys is if we want to grow in our faith, we have to hear God's voice. Okay, so you can write that down. I'm sorry we didn't have any printed notes. But so number one, you have to hear God's voice. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there or your iPhone or whatever. Genesis chapter 12. And in verse 1. So it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, but I will put a curse on anyone who curses you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. Um, it's a pretty big blessing, right? And, you know, for some of you guys have maybe been around church long enough, you realize when it says all the nations of the earth will be blessed by you, it's because in Abram's or Abraham, his name gets changed, lineage leads to Christ, right? So he, he was a part of that lineage. Um, but I want to talk to you guys something that I learned as a college student, and I felt like, why did I, no one ever teach me this before? I went to Bible college. I sat through a lot of church services. We used to have Wednesday night services. I went to youth group. I mean, it was like Wednesday night you went to church. Friday you went to youth. Sunday you went to church. Then you had a small group. I mean, it was a lot of learning. But there was something that I never actually understand, understood. And now I'm not going to try to get super what's the word? I don't know, theological on you here. But there's two different ways that we can hear God's voice. There's two different Greek words for the word of God, okay? So the first one, write this down, because this is one of the most important things you'll hear all day, especially if you've never heard this before. It's just logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's a Greek word. You don't have to even remember that word, but you have to remember this principle. So logos is the written word. It's the Bible if you have one in your hand. It's the words, well, not those words. I wrote those, but the words on the screen. It's the, you know, Old Testament scrolls that Jesus read from when he was in the temple. That is the word of God, right? It's written. That's logos, okay? So there's a lot of times in the Bible where that's the word, when you see the word of God, that's what they're referring to, that Greek word, okay? And we kind of get that, right? Like, okay, there's a Bible, I should read it, and this is God's instructions, and I need to know what it says so I can live, you know, in a way to honor him. Most of us, if not all of us, kind of understand that. Whether we do it or not, okay, that's another thing, but, but that's the first word for the word of God. The second word, now write this down, is rhema. So it's R-H-E-M-A. Okay? So this means God's word too. And you see it a lot in the New Testament. But it actually means not just God's word like the Bible. It's God's word spoken directly to you. Okay? So if you, maybe you've experienced this. Now this can look different in different ways. Sometimes I read my Bible and all of a sudden a verse jumps off the page and I'm like, and I can feel it almost in my heart. 
like Jesus is saying it to me. Does that make sense? That is a rhema word of God. Now, we need both. We need both to live. So there's other ways, though, that God can speak directly to us. I've had times where God has spoken directly to me in a dream. Um, you know, while I'm sleeping. And, you know, one time I literally heard him say, Moses, Moses, go home and return to your people or something. And I was at Southeastern College in Florida, loving it, living living the high life. And I was like, I don't want to go home. And I woke up and I literally could hear those words just resounding in my ear. It wasn't just a weird dream that didn't make sense. It was super clear. I didn't have any visual. It was just almost a voice. But while I was asleep. So God can talk to you in that way. That can be a rhema word. I have a friend that's literally heard the audible voice of God. Now, I have never heard that. But I, I know people that it's happened to. And if you look in the Bible, it happens many times. But then there's also the, the way that God can speak to us, and it's the still, small voice. Okay? This is a lot of the times how he speaks to me. Is he will, a lot of times, interrupt my thoughts. I might be doing something, thinking something, going somewhere. And all of a sudden, I get like this weird thought that is completely, it's usually about someone else. Go talk to that person. Go pray for that person. Go, um, you know, but it's, it almost interjects my thoughts or my plans. So that can be a rhema word of God. Um, so there's all these different ways. And you always want to make sure if you receive a word from God for you, that it lines up with the logos, Right? Okay, because then that can get really weird. <laughs> God told me. I'm like, mm, nah, he didn't tell you to whatever. You know, fly to Jamaica. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, unless you're going to reach all those people. I don't know if God told you to do that. Okay, um, so, you know, we have to be careful. And some people shy away. Some people don't like saying God told me. And I just want to tell you guys, it's less about saying that. You don't have to prove to somebody else if God has spoken to you. But you have to be obedient if he has, right? I don't have to go around and, and tell everybody, hey, hey, look at me. I'm so spiritual. God told me this and God told me that. Sometimes people get a little turned off by like, like what does that mean? But I got to do it, right? You know? Um, so, so those are the two words. And it's super important because I believe most Christians spend their lives studying, reading, learning, memorizing the Logos word of God. And it's awesome. But that's the end. And you can't know your father if you don't have a relationship where you talk back and forth, where he tells you to do things. And then he shows up and you go, what happened? Because God moved. And why did he move? Because faith. Right? Um, I want to read you guys just a little quick story. I have to pull it up on my phone. This is, a, I don't know if you know the author, Chuck Swindle. Oh, I have to scroll through all these weird pictures that my kids took. Hang on. Oh, it might not be here. Hang on. Oh, there it is. Okay. I don't know what book this is from. I should know. Sorry for not referring you to the book, but... He wanted to illustrate this point. Okay, he says, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you're my executive assistant in a company that is growing rapidly. I'm the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay there until the new branch office gets established. 
I make all the arrangements to take my family in the move to Europe for six to eight months, and I leave you in charge of the busy stateside organization. I tell you I'll write you regularly, and I give you directions and instructions. I leave and you stay. Months pass. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and are received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations, and finally I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office, and I'm stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the reception's office, and she's doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to her favorite disco station. Disco. I don't know how long ago this, this was written. It might be an old book. I look around and notice the wastebaskets are overflowing. The carpet hasn't been vacuumed for weeks, and somebody seems concerned, and nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I asked about your whereabouts, and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there! disturbed, I move in that direction and I bump into you as you're finishing a chess game with our sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a television room for watching the afternoon soap operas. Not good. What in the world is going on, man? What do you, what do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Oh, letters. Oh, yeah, sure. I got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we have had letter study every Friday night since you left. We have divided all of the, we have divided all of the personnel into small groups, and we discussed many of the things you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of the sentence and paragraphs of those letters, and one or two memorized an entire letter great stuff. Okay, okay. You got my letters, you studied them, you meditated on them, you even discussed and memorized them, but what you do about them? Do? Oh, we didn't do anything. That's a funny illustration, but it's not funny, is it? But until we grow in our faith, we, it requires us to do, right? And we can't just read the Logos word of God and not then say, okay, now God, show me how this word is operating in my life. And that's the rhema word of God. Um, somebody, I read one definition of the rhema word of God. It says, it's when God speaks a second time. So if you're ever a mom, you know you got to speak more than once. Right? I wrote it down. I wrote the list before I left home. I didn't see that paper. It must have got, you know thrown in the garbage, <laughs> you know? So then you have to tell him again, and then you have to tell him again. Well, that's kind of what the rhema word is. He's reminding us. He's saying, you know what? Remember I told you to do this? Do it. And he'll show up again and again in different ways. Um, there's a verse in the Bible, too, that says, I didn't write down the verse. I'm sorry, but in the New Testament, it talks about how the law brings death, but the spirit brings life. Now, why would it say that? It's referring to the Old Testament. Why would any, you know, one of the apostles say that the law, I think it was Paul, brings death and that the Spirit brings life? It's the Bible. That's a horrible thing to say. Because if I follow this to a T, guess what I become? A Pharisee. If I live this through my life, I become a disciple. 
You see the difference? So the letter of the law brings death. But the Holy Spirit wants to quicken us and say, I'm going to give you a rhema word, a now word, an aha moment. And then I want you to take a step of faith and do it. And it'll show up. And that's what he has for every one of us. It's not just someone that's a pastor or someone that seems really spiritual. It's for every single one of us that calls Jesus our, our Lord. Um, so that's the first point. Hear God's voice. Took a long time on the first point. Sorry. Second point, you have to move. So if you want to grow in your faith, first you got to get a rhema word from God. The second thing you got to do is you got to move. Now, it doesn't always mean you got to move to another country or overseas, but it's less about moving to a different place and more about leaving your comfortable space. Amen? Sometimes he will require you to move. So let's look... Um, Oh, I don't want to go yet to the next section. Oh, no, yeah, I can go. So go back to Genesis 12. So God kind of gave him that promise and said, I want you to um, go from your country, your people, and your fa father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Now, don't you like that, too? And this is what faith is like. Go there. Where, God? Uh, there. Why? Just go. And it's very vague. Right? Sometimes it's very fuzzy. When, I, when God speaks to me in the, a still small voice, it kind of sounds like me, and I always question it. So if you feel that way, you're in good company. How do you think Abram felt? Go to the land. What land? The land. How do you sell that with your wife? We're going to move. Where are we moving? Somewhere. Now, maybe you've said that <laughs> in the middle of, you know, winter in northern New York. We got to move somewhere, somewhere warm. But that's not what he meant, right? Um, but verse 4 in chapter 12 says, so Abram went. Should be a period there. Just as the Lord had told him, right? You have to move. Um, you know, you can't move a parked car. You've heard that saying before. But the thing that I think is cool is faith is a verb, Okay? It's found in the moving. Your faith can't grow until you move. So all of the things, so it could be, like I said, it's not necessarily about moving to a different place, although it could be, but it also could be about, wow, I really like my, I'm really comfortable in my home. I love my home. I love it how it's, this is not me, how it's so neat and tiny and everything has its place. I don't want people in my home. I don't want to have a small group in my home because that, that would be hard. I'm comfortable here. Well, you're not moving, so God can't use you and he can't show up in power, right? So it's, it's whatever God's telling you to do. I'm not saying start a small group. See, that's where it's about the rhema word of God. We, I can make a blanket statement here. You all should church plant. You all should start small groups. You should all move to Uganda. That doesn't work, right? Because you all shouldn't do that. But you should all seek God, and he's going to give you direction, specific direction, right? Um, I love that Elaine was talking up here during worship about Isaiah, right? And she read that verse out of Isaiah, because I actually was really thinking about Isaiah with this, because God says, who will go for me? Who can I send? And what does Isaiah reply? Here I am, send me, right? It wasn't here I am, pick me, pick me, pick me. That's what we say, right? Me over here, pick me, pick me. 
oh, yes, now I'm God's favorite and he's going to bless me. No, 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 no. He said, here am I. Send me. See the difference? And that's what God was saying. He was looking down on the whole earth and saying, who will go for me? You know, and I know Greg's always preached up here that the only qualification really to be used by God is willingness. Right? I mean, even just with this church planning stuff, God has so much for the future of our church that he wants to plant and touch regions and even nations, you know, Uganda and the different places that God's laid on our hearts. But guess what? We can't do it unless that someone goes. And I can't be in seven places at once. That's why every one of us has got to get a word from God and then move in that direction. Even if we don't know what that looks like or what that means, we got to take a step. And he'll show us a little more and we take a step and he shows us a little more and we take a step and he shows us a little more. Right? Um, you know, so even with Moses, or Moses, Abraham, Ham, he says, go, God says, go and then I'll show right? And we want the reverse. We want show, and then I'll go, right? If, I, I, I can't tell you how many times in the, you know, how many years of ministry that me and my husband have done, where we sat down, you know, had dinner or had coffee, you know, with friends or a couple or a family, and they said, if God would only show us what to do, then we'd go. But you see, it's actually the opposite. You get a little inkling. It could just be a sense in your spirit. I feel like I'm supposed to head in this direction. And you start moving, and then he shows. And you could spend your whole life waiting for God to show you. And what happens is the enemy then lies to you and says, look, God doesn't have a plan for your life. God doesn't want to use you. You don't have anything important to do because he never showed you. And literally, it's the opposite. God was saying, go, and I'll show. And I don't want the enemy to lie to us in that place because God has amazing works for every person in this room to do. Um, Hebrews eleven six 6 through 8. You can turn there if you want. It's only a couple of verses that I want to read real quick. This is talking about faith. This is the famous faith chapter everybody's heard about, right? Hebrews 11, chapter, or verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe he exists, and they must believe he rewards those who look to him. So we're going to skip 7 just because they're talking about Noah. We're going to go to 8 because he's talking about Abraham. Abraham had faith. So he obeyed God. God called him to go to a place he would later receive as his own. So he went. And he did it even though he didn't know where he was going. Right? There it is right there. But I want to skip back up to verse, because this is the verse that's been messing with my heart for about a year. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wait, I'm confused, God. Shouldn't that be love? Shouldn't that say without love? Isn't, isn't the greatest commandment, love your neighbor, love yourself? Don't we have that written out back? I'm confused. Why does that say without faith, it's impossible? Not highly unlikely. Impossible. That freaks me out. Without faith, it's impossible to please you, God. I really want to please him. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to do it. But it's impossible. 
Why? Why didn't he say love? Why didn't he say something else there? Why didn't he say faith? Because I truly believe that love is what God wants us to be. But faith is what God wants us to do. You can't just have one because what does the Bible say? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Now, we think that means, oh, yeah, like the Ten Commandments or the stuff in this book. That's what the Pharisees did. Did they love Jesus? They killed him. If you love me, you'll do what I say, the rhema word. So it's impossible to please God without faith because I think I might be loving. I think that I'm trying to love people and love God. But without that aspect of the doing, uh, Bob Goff is a great author. If you haven't read any of his books, I highly recommend it. He has one, and the title's just this, Love Does, period. Ha! Huh. Why is that such a revelation? Love isn't a feeling, it's an action. So God wants us, love is what he wants us to be, but faith is what he wants us to do, and they're married. And we can't please him unless we're stepping out in faith. Sorry, I'm getting a little riled up here. There's a story I wanted to tell you. It's kind of silly and a side note, but I'll tell you anyway. Okay. So back when I was doing youth ministry, I don't think I had any kids, or maybe I had my son Jeremiah. God gave me this picture, and I think we were with some of the kids, like the youth, at my house for a small group meeting, and I told them, take this little piece of paper. This could be a great exercise for you guys to do. Take this little piece of paper, take this pencil, take five minutes, and just whatever God shows you, what does he think about when he sees you? You know, what, whatever it is. It could be some words he wants to share with you. It could be a picture. So I'm sitting there thinking, i got to come up with something spiritual because I'm the youth pastor, right? So, you know, about four minutes goes by, and I'm like, I'm getting nothing. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't even know. And then I get this weird image in my mind. Now, this wasn't like a spiritual Jesus came down vision. It was just a weird picture in my head. And it was like if you were to go to Disneyland, and you know all those characters dressed up like Goofy and, I don't know, Mickey and all of them. It was something like that, but it was a giant heart with like the Mickey Mouse gloves and the black Mickey shoes or white, I don't know what, but, and, it, and he was like, draw that. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> but I felt like God said to me, that's how I see you. So I share it with the kids and they're all laughing at my picture. And I'm like, I'm kind of laughing at it, but I'm like, that's nice. I'll be a heart because that's what God wants us to be, right? Love. Well, what's crazy, and this is talking about the rhema word of God, and this is a stupid, silly little story, but he wants to do this in your life all the time. A month later, I go to Pennsylvania for a conference with a few women from the church. And at that conference, somebody pulls me out of the crowd. Now, I hadn't adopted yet. Um, it was in my heart, but someone pulls me out of the crowd, and they said, you know, prayed over me, said a lot of encouraging, you know, just words over me. And then they said, you know what, I just... I see this picture of a really big heart. With like, that's how God sees you, with like arms and legs. Like if you were a Native American, your name would be Big Heart. Hilarious, but like rhema, word of God. He wants to do that in your life every week, every month. Over and over and over and over again. So as you keep stepping out those little moves in faith, even stupid little things like drawing on a piece of paper, he's going to show you, you're right. You do hear me. 
Because if I can believe that I can hear him when I draw a stupid little image on a piece of paper with some 12-year-olds, I can trust him when he tells me to run 110 miles through a snowstorm for adoption. Amen? I can trust him if he tells me to move across the world because he's proven it over and over and over again. And that's what he wants for every one of you guys. Um, so that's my silly little story. But So, and that's, this is the cool thing about Abram. So you look at Abraham and you think he's this great man of faith. And you think, wow, I mean, I could never do that. I couldn't just take my family, pack up my stuff, and not even know where we're moving to. Like, that's amazing. But listen, Abram grew in his faith. Do you want to know why? We, for the sake of time, we won't go back to chapter 11. But if you go back the chapter before Genesis 12, at the end, it talks about how Abram actually left. And he, he went 5,000 miles. He traveled with his family 5,000 miles and settled in a place called Haran. I'm probably saying that wrong. So it's almost like he traveled so far. I mean, 5,000 miles back then, I mean, they're walking. They're probably bringing their, like, goats and, uh, you know, caravan of people. This is not a, a, a quick, you know, jump in a plane. So they go 5,000 miles. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're not quite sure what God wants them to do next. So they camp out there. And they just stay there for five years. Abram just stays in this place called Haran with his family. And it was kind of like, I guess this is good enough. Right? Like, I don't know. I guess this isn't the promised land, but this is good enough. We'll just stay here. Um, so that's the next point. So first you want to hear God's voice. The second is you got to move. And the third is you can't settle. And that's what Abram did. So you don't, you don't read that when you read chapter 12. But if you go back, you realize, oh, man, he stayed there for five years. He probably would have stayed there forever. Do you know the only reason why he left? His, thank you, Lisa, you're so smart. His father died. And now you say, well, well, why would that make you move? Well, two, two reasons. One, first, he was kind of half obeying God. Because God said to him, when you go to the place I'm going to show you, don't bring all of your family. Of course, he wanted to bring his wife. But don't, you know, don't bring, he brought his nephew, Law. And if any of you guys know the Bible, that didn't turn out very well. He wasn't supposed to bring law, and he wasn't supposed to bring his father. His father was an idol worshiper. So was his grandfather. And so God was like, you can't half obey. And don't we do this sometimes? Kind of like, oh, God kind of wants me to do this, so I'll do kind of this. You know? Um, but what's interesting, I kind of just looked at the name. So Abraham, Abram means exalted father. And when his, his name was changed to Abraham, he was called a father of, of many, right? Or a multitude. And that's in the verse where God's blessing him and saying you're going to be a father of the, you know, many nations. But what's interesting is his grandfather's name was Nahor. I'm sure I'm saying this wrong. So please don't, yeah, don't judge me. Um, so his grandfather and him, his father and his grandfather were idol worshipers. They didn't, you know, believe in the one true God, right? So Nahor meant freeman. He was a free man, right? When we're free, as far as the world is concerned, we can just do whatever the heck we want. I want to do this today because I'm free. I'm a free man. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move here because I like this. And I'm going to, I hate this job, so I'm going to do this. I'm a free man, okay? So his, that was his grandfather's name. 
Then his father's name was Terah. I'm probably saying that wrong too. What that means is a wanderer. So how many of you guys have ever wandered through a mall before? How many women? I shouldn't say guys. Anybody enjoy wandering through a mall or window shopping? No one wants to raise their hand. Wander sounds like a bad word. Admit it. Like if you do, you can't really do it as much now. You can't do it at our mall. You're like, wow, look at that empty storefront. Look at that drop ceiling that's dripping water. Wow, so many things to see and know. But I know I have friends that just went to the Syracuse Mall. Did you wander at all through the mall? Yeah, Ariel's not a big shopper, but, right? So when you think of wandering, though, like if I'm wandering through a shopping mall, I don't really have a goal or a purpose, right? And that's okay when we're window shopping, unless you're a husband and you're like, it's not okay because your purpose cost me $500. (laughs) But right, we're just kind of like browsing and wandering and looking. Well, that is what Abram's father was a wanderer. So it's like a free man. I can do whatever I want. A wanderer. And then Abram, God says, I see something different in you. I see that you're going to listen. You're going to obey. You're going to be known as the father of faith. And he's the exalted father. So when uh, Lisa said the only reason he actually moved and started going to the promised land, why? Because his father died. I believe, honestly, that represents God killing this wandering spirit in us. The, the spirit in us that says, I don't know. Hmm. What sounds good? Oh, you know, this is a big one. That makes sense. If you're trying to make a decision in life, anyone ever said that? And it's okay. I mean, we have to use our logic. I'm not saying, like, throw your brain out the door. But, right? Have you ever heard, said that? Like, I don't know. Should I do this? Hmm. Well, I need money. And hmm, it's not that far from my house. That makes sense. Right? Is that? Walking by faith or walking by sight? Sight. Because it makes sense. It's logical. I'm just going to do this thing. It makes sense. Right? But that's not what God's calling us to live like. Does it make sense to move to God knows where? We don't know what we're doing. Um, Sorry, I'm skipping along. Faith, so if, if walking by sight says that makes sense, faith says, what if? What if God shows up? What if God is really speaking to me? What if? And do you want to know, honestly, can I tell you, to look back on your life, if you can look back on your life and say, what if I hadn't made that decision? And you can see how God moved then you can see God moving in and through your life and through your decisions. Um, so the fourth, fourth one is you have to fully obey. So we were talking about um, Abram kind of, he obeyed God halfway. Does anybody like someone to work for them and they do the job halfway? I won't say the phrase, but <laughs> not good, right? My kids are great at that. I cleaned the table. I washed the dishes. I'm like, ah, not really. Um, so we have to fully obey. Um, half obedience actually makes us doubly responsible. Do you know why? Because we've done enough to prove we believe that God was telling us something. But we didn't go all the way. <sighs> 
right? You take a step and you're like, I don't know, I got scared, never mind, oh, or whatever. We kind of settle, right? This is good enough. And we don't keep pushing into the thing God's called us to press into. It's like, I believe you're telling me this, but now I'm going to stop, right? So I know you're talking to me, God, but I, I'm just, I can't go any further. Um, so talking a little bit about when I was in Florida, I mentioned it before. So when my husband, we weren't married at the time, but when I was in college, I went to Southeastern University. It's a great college, by the way. Um, and I was studying youth ministry. And there was a point where I felt that still voice saying, you need to move back home. Now I hadn't finished my degree. So I'm thinking, not a good idea. I should probably finish what I start, God. Right? You're the one who told me to go to school for ministry, so shouldn't I finish? I had one semester left until I'd get my bachelor's degree. So that even sounded stupider. You wouldn't say makes sense, right? It's like, yeah, mom, I'm going to leave. I know, yeah, I know for no real reason except that I feel like I'm supposed to. I'm one semester away from my degree. And most parents would be like, no. <laughs> I've got good parents. <laughs> they were very supportive. But it didn't make any sense. But what's crazy is before that, about a month before that, me and Greg were talking. And we were just, we used to, you know, go to, on dates to Taco Bell. So lame. But that's why my son loves Taco Bell now. We were at Taco Bell. And he said, I feel like, God, I saw a picture of a road. And on the road, there was just all kinds of stuff that represented me. He had a sound business at the time. So he's like, my sound trailer was on there. And, you know, just, you know, my education and all the family and the people in my lives and even some of the plans I had for the future. And it was just this road was cluttered with stuff that represented me. And he said, and I feel like I just saw a giant hand from heaven come down and wipe everything off the road. And it was just this empty road. And it was God. And I was like, um, so what do I, what do, I do now? <laughs> it's like he was taking everything away, and he just showed him this clear road, and he said, go. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. So this was before God kind of spoke to me to return home. About a month later, I was praying, and I felt like God was saying, you need to move back home. Well, I, it was during a worship service because I went to a Christian uh, school and I opened up my Bible and I read in Ezekiel, which who reads Ezekiel? I don't know. Maybe you do, but it's just kind of a weird prophetic book. It's really confusing. It talks about like wheels and eyes and it's weird. <laughs> um, it's, it's God's word, but it's hard to understand sometimes. And I open it up. I think it was chapter three and it says, go home and shut the door behind you. God was speaking to Ezekiel. So what is that? That's a rhema word. It was a logos word. It was written in the Bible, but God was already stirring and speaking this to me. And then he gives me a rhema word in that moment to confirm what he's already speaking in the still small voice, right? But guess what it doesn't do? It doesn't make sense. God loves it when it doesn't make sense because then he gets the glory. But if you look back now between, you know, my husband, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, talking about that vision of God clearing the road because he was going to be, you know, he was going to be a sound engineer and he was going to do all these concerts and have this business. He had a plan. I had a plan. I wanted to stay in Florida forever. I said, I'll do ministry, but I'll do it down here where it's nice and warm. Half obey, right? Right? Same thing. I'm doing what you told me to do, kind of, 
right? So, but if those things hadn't happened and we hadn't made the step of faith to move back home, I look back and think, we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have become a youth pastor here in Messina. I wouldn't have lived in the area. Greg wouldn't have lived in the area. We wouldn't help lead this church. It just like, it goes on and on and on. See, because faith is the what ifs. And walking by sight is the, that makes sense. And if you want to see God move through your life, you've got to do more what ifs. Not for the sake of, no, there's people that are just like, uh, what do they call that? YOLO. Like, what does that even stand for? So, you only live once, people. Jump off the bridge. Skydive. That's not what I'm talking about. Although that does sound fun. Let me know if you go. But <laughs> that's not the what ifs I'm talking about. It's not throw caution to the wind. Just do something. It's God wants to use you. He can't make you do it, though. And the enemy will lie to you over and over and over and disqualify you. And you'll say, this is the other thing that God's been really stirring in my heart in this last two weeks. He just keeps saying to me this, Jess, you only get one chance. And I know you guys probably like, you're not old, but I turn 40 next year. And everybody, half the room's like, oh, half the room might think I'm old. But the other half is like, are you kidding? You're a spring chicken. But what God keeps saying to me is, you only get one chance. Do you get it? 40 turns to 50, 50 turns to 60, 60 turns to 70. And that's assuming I even live that long because no one is guaranteed tomorrow. I only get one chance. So my decisions, not that I'm going to stress and worry and oh my gosh, but I want to be walking in faith, not by sight, because before I know it, my life will be done. And yes, will I go to heaven? Of course, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you accept him into your life and you have a relationship with him, you are there. But will you bring heaven to earth is the question. And he wants every person in this room to be a co-worker, a friend of his, and he wants to move in and through your life. It doesn't matter if you work at Ocoa. It doesn't matter if you work at McDonald's. It doesn't matter if you're like me and you're never going to work, apparently. My son said for April Fool's, he was like, Mom, I got to think about things that scare people. Because like spiders, I could do an April Fool's with a spider if it scared somebody. So he's like, um, um, I'm scared of ghosts, so I'll pretend to be a ghost. And, and Jeremiah told me once he was scared of Big Bird when he was little. I'm like, what? So he's like, I'm going to dress in yellow and get feathers, and I'll pretend to be Big Bird and come into his room for April Fool's. I'm like, and then he says, and you're scared that you're never going to leave the house. And I'm like... That's so accurate. I'm not sure what the April Fool's joke would be. But, but listen, even if you can never leave your house, God can use you. You might be in chronic pain and you're waiting for the day that God heals you. And gosh, man, I hope it comes. But in the meantime, he can still use you like crazy. If you step out in faith. And there's something that God told me even back about a couple years ago when I was whining and complaining, because that's what we do. <laughs> to him, at least. I was trying not to complain to other people. But I'm whining, complaining to him, and he says to me this, what is one thing that you can do that you couldn't do before, Jess? See, God wants to change our perspective because it doesn't matter where you're at. It matters if you hear his voice. If you move, right? 
If you don't half obey, you obey. And even though it's going to feel like you're no clue what you're doing, and it doesn't make sense, he will show up. And this is the best part. When he shows up, God gets all the glory. Because you look like you're the crazy weirdo over there, and what just happened, and yay, God! Right? So let's, I'm just going to have the worship team come back up. Going to pray, and just, we're going to actually close with a song. Is that okay? Kind of a little bit different. This is the good news, too, because I don't want anybody, I can be a little preachy or a little hard, but that's only because I want God to, to do everything he wants to do through your life, right? But here's the good news. When you partially obey, because anybody want to be honest in here, I have, it doesn't negate the call of God on your life. Abram partially obeyed, and God didn't say after five years, never mind, I'll find somebody else. Um, maybe he would have after 100 years. I don't know. But he didn't. It didn't negate the call of God on his life. But what it did do, it delayed it. And some of us have delayed the call of God on our lives for years and 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 years because we're waiting for him to say it and then we'll do it. We're waiting for him to say and then we'll move. And he's saying, just move and I'll show up. So let's, uh, I think they're going to do a song and I'm going to pray. And I didn't read it, but the next part of Abram, before his name gets changed, is he starts to move again. And he starts to go to the land that God, to Canaan, to the land that God was calling him to. And God shows up and he speaks to him. And again, he reminds him, because God's really good at reminding us, right? Because we all need reminders, right? Of what he's calling us to do. He shows up again and he says, you know, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to many nations. But then he says to him, as they're communing, he, um, Abram takes stones and he builds an altar and in the bible in the old testament altar is where they sacrificed usually animals to god but it really represented communing with god and it represented remembering what he's done and what he said and so if you guys want to stand we're just going to pray and i'm just going to ask for no one's going to pray for anyone i want you to have a few minutes three, four minutes with God and sing this song, but I want you, you don't even have to sing if you don't want to. We're going to sing a good, good father, but I want you to commune with God. He wants to give you a rhema word, not a, a, a Bible verse you memorize, a word right now in your spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to quicken you and he wants to even bring to remembrance things that he has placed on your heart maybe in the past that you've kind of put in a closet or gone dormant or even forgot about so Jesus we just come before you right now Holy Spirit we ask you to stir our hearts today we need a rhema word from you God forgive us God Jesus Holy Spirit forgive us for any time we've heard or we've stomped our ears and said, I'm, that's good enough. I'm tired. I'm done. I did such and such. God, forgive us. 
Let us dust off those words, God. And if we have never had one from you, I even pray today that you would give a rhema word. I don't care if the, there's someone in here that's 12 years old or there's someone in here that's 95. If we are breathing, you have a word and you have a mission and you have a promise and you have a place you want us to move, Father God. So Holy Spirit, come and speak and have your way. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.